Welcome to the Principled Women in Business podcast with your host, Lauren Dulgaru, aka The Solutionist. You are about to discover priceless insight, experiences, and perspectives that will inspire and empower you to break down your own obstacles and reprogram your own limiting beliefs. All while raising women business owners to the pedestal that has been long awaiting, the coronation of true, principled women in business. Welcome to the Principled Women in Business podcast. Welcome to the Principled Women in Business podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Dulgaru, aka The Solutionist. The P-Web podcast is all about bringing you fulfilling and intelligent conversation that you need to advance and grow your business and yourself, because this is a thinking and a mind transformation as well as a business transformation. Now, we are very lucky with our guest this week. This week, we have my mentor, um, somebody who's very close to me, who's who's shown me the journey, shown me the light. And for, for that, I am every ounce of grateful and thankful all day, every day. Um, so without any further ado, I would like to introduce to you Al Mills, aka the prophetic financier, the TPF. Al, would you please come on and introduce yourself? I'm so excited to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Lauren, also known as a solutionist. I'm, I'm very happy to be here this this AM uh, to really just have a conversation to empower and enlighten all of those who are listening. And for those of you, again, uh, Lauren always gives me such a great introduction, but you know, I'm, I will be considered by most uh, the number one socioeconomic mobility mentor uh, where we help individuals create more income, more impact and more freedom without exchanging a lot of their time and energy. And so we're on this mission to empower individuals, change seekers who are looking to no longer be what we would call a economic victim of these circumstances and uncertain times. So I'm glad to be here today. Thank you for coming on. And uh, our topic today is something that, you know, lies particularly close to myself. And you've watched a number of my aha moments as our relationship or oh, my yeah. moments as, oh, my, yeah. as our relationship has, you know, progressed and, you know, the mentorship has grown over the years. But today we're going to be talking about that aha moment, particularly the aha moment in business, because there, there are really so many types of aha moments we could all have. Uh, but I brought the TPF uh, prophetic financier on today to talk particularly about those business aha moments because he has witnessed my transformation as you know I've moved through and applied his tutelage and his wisdom to create my own wisdom so I figured nobody better to have on for this conversation except Al Mills So, Al, I know, you know, not only does this lie particularly close with myself, but you have worked with hundreds of businesses and mentored thousands of people, you know, in your own right. So you have, I'm sure, witnessed thousands, maybe tens of thousands of aha moments. Mm -hmm. I have. I could tell you the number one that's the number one issue that sticks out 
for me as the biggest aha moment of them all was this number one, this one. And that is the dream or the idea of the business construct that they were looking to launch was not accepted by the market. You see, what happens is we get passionate. We've been told in society that you can, you can profit from your passion. That only happens when you become majorly established. But in the initial stages of any business, if your, if your passion doesn't line up with the need of the marketplace, what we call market adaptation or acceptance, you don't have a marketplace. And that's one of the okay. biggest aha moments. Like, well, I have something that I want to sell or offer or an experience, but no one wants it. There are no takers. Do you have a, a specific example to kind of offer our listeners, maybe to give them some clarity? Sure, I mean, sure. They're experiencing look, that themselves. Absolutely. Let's look at let's look at real estate for a minute. Um, in the old paradigm, pre or post the the first bubble in two thousand eight, anyone in real estate that was just breathing and had a pulse could make money. Let's use an example to that. Let's look at fix and flips. At that time in 2008, people who wanted to get into real estate wanted to become rehabbers and fix and flips, you know, based on all the TV shows, flip that house and things of nature. Everyone thought that it's a great idea to become a real estate investor. Now, let's fast forward to 2022. Individuals who are looking to get into the house flipping business won't have the same opportunity or volume of real estate. Why? Because since 2008, so much has happened that there's a readily available information that a homeowner who may have ordinarily been in trouble and in the dark without having intelligence on the matter would have happily sold their home for pennies on the dollar, right? 50, yeah. 40 cents on the dollar, 30 cents on the dollar. Whereas today, because of the power of the, of the internet, blockchain, and just readily available information, Homeowners today are not so quick to just sell their home for pennies on the dollar. And so what does that mean for the real estate investor getting into the game right now? If they think that they're going to be able to amass these six-figure years and do two or four or five deals a year, that's very difficult now because, first of all, there's a shortage. There's a shortage of real estate. But then not only that, the homeowners are more intelligent. And they now know that they have other options available to them to maybe retain their home as opposed to sell it at a discount. Does it only apply to real estate? Uh, no, it could apply to businesses. A, a lot of business, um, a lot of sellers who are selling their businesses, we're talking about the baby boomers who are in the small to medium-sized enterprises. Yeah. You know, they, they once thought, that this is their baby, this is a business that they started from the ground up, they put 30 years into it, so their perceived value for them may deem to be so much more, but then when you look at the matrix of how buyers are buying, first of all, if you're a business that has under $10 million in revenue, you're considered a small business, and as a small business and a proprietor, meaning you are owner-operated, your business is not going to be valued the same as it would be if you were a professionally managed business. And so you would be looked at from what we would call a self-discretionary income versus a EBITDA valuation. And, you know, you went there. 
see, even brokers don't understand the difference between SDE, seller discretionary earnings, and EBITDA. But even still, before they've even gotten to this aha moment, they have, they have to, I've seen so many of them arrive to the aha moment that their finances aren't even ready and in order. <laughs> oh, they're, yeah. they're not prepared to, you know, be selling in the first place. They're still, their books are all over the place. They don't have management. They're, they're not in a place yet to sell. That's the other, the, the previous aha moment. So that comes back to, you know, aha moment and the concept of it isn't just one singular concept. It's a series of them, especially as we move through business. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And the I difference think- too, another aha moment, not to cut you, sorry, another aha moment is assets on your balance sheet. Oh, right. Yes. Most folks believe that they bought a, a, a piece of machinery 10 years ago and they want to get the price that they paid for 10 years ago in the sale when it's been depreciated and used. And most buyers are not going to give you full market value of when you purchased it, but as a liquidated value in today's time, that's another aha moment. That is a very tender aha moment. So many, so many business owners, you know, they say, well, I spent a million dollars on this piece of equipment. I understand, but that that was 10, 10 years ago and it's depreciated. And it's not, even if we said now we can depreciate it all over again, it's still not worth what it was. And you know, even I guess that moves over to selling your car, you know, a perceived value in that mm-hmm. in that respect. Absolutely. Um, but back to the SDE versus EBITDA, I think that's that's a hard aha moment for not only, you know, a person selling a business, but also if a broker, sadly, would be enlisted uh, because when he realizes that, you know, really you're dealing with a buyer, you know, an astute buyer, and they're not in an EBITDA situation, they're in an SDE situation. And that takes into account, you know, a very different formulation of, you know, how to, how to calculate an accurate valuation. Well, that comes back to the first aha moment is this. Most baby boomers or small business owners or owner operators somehow has this misconception that the only way to sell their business is to use a business broker. Now, by no means are we advocating or saying that you shouldn't use a business broker. But when you think about the cost of the sale, that's an aha moment. It could range anywhere from 10 to 15 percent of the gross sales price of your business. And depending on your marginal SDE, if you're a small business owner, that can make be a major chunk of your perceived profit. A major chunk. And I've worked with business owners. I've got some great, or not business owners, business brokers, excuse me, business broker um, associates. So guys listening out there, love you. But they get so much of a chunk to, to do what? To create a page, to list it on the internet, to field some phone calls, and to put together a potentially very pretty marketing piece that has a very good chance of not being completely representative of, you know, the business, the asset at stake Uh, for two things, you know, the broker doesn't really have a deep overstanding of how to present a business in a way that a buyer wants to see. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But also they're, 
there's a good chance they're not dealing with intelligent or qualified buyers. This is true. Well, let's look at this for a minute. What is the qualifications to be a business broker? Most business brokers around the nation are real estate agents who've converted into being a business broker. Mm-hmm. They've never owned, operated, never owned. or managed a business. So how yeah. would you? How could you sell something that you've never really worked in the trenches? So there lies one of the biggest aha moments is that, oh, sure, some of these businesses, most of these businesses have real estate attached to it, but it's not the real estate most business owners are purchasing. They're buying the cash flow of a business. So there's the other aha moment that we talked about, that multi-layer of aha moments. Is the real estate can stay in the business as a landlord and rent and rent from the former seller or the like. So there's so many things to look at here when looking to buy or sell. And you mentioned the complexity of a transaction and how many options are really infinite are available to a seller and a buyer to create and close a transaction. And that's, that's magical for a number of reasons. It creates a win-win-win situation for everybody involved Mm -hmm. and it solves the seller's problem. You know, maybe they're having health, health issues, health conditions. They want to move on to something different. They want to retire. They want to move cross country with family, whatever the reason, you know, the buyer wants to walk into, like you said, a cash flow. But being able to do it in a way that not only benefits your pockets immediately, but helps to mitigate taxes over a long term, helps to, you know, helps all parties to do it in an intelligent fashion mm-hmm. that gives them the most long term benefit. Uh, I hate seeing people to cut their nose to spite their face, right? They want to have it all now. Give it to me now. J.G. Wentworth. It's my money. I give it, I want it now. But over the course of time, what you had to incur in, you know, fees, taxes, uh, you know, uh, what do do we call it? Um, Not Schrodinger's syndrome, where when we have money, costs costs rise. Um, Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law. So, you know, when we have this chunk of change, all of our our expenses, our costs are going to rise to to meet that that new influx there's so many factors that's gonna you know trigger when we could have done it in such a more intelligent fashion where they could have realized more of that chunk over a course of time and had their lifestyle intact had it elevated had their socioeconomic lifestyle elevated been put into a position where they could create legacy when you work with brokers and ah they see that's the that's the hardest thing i've worked with so many brokers and they kill the deals it's it, it it's a it's a source of contention they always kill the deal because they they're not seeing the the creativity they're they're very much in cash transaction we're moving on um but being able to create that long-term legacy for families where before they didn't even have any concept that that was doable yeah, you're and, right. You know, our mission is to elevate you know, socio people's socioeconomic lifestyle, like elevate the socioeconomic lifestyle of humanity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, families that are retiring, they don't want to close their business because they're also concerned about their employees. Well, that's a key point in a small to medium sized enterprise, aka the baby boomer owner. 
that's their most, in most cases, that's their most primary concern is handing over their, their baby to a, a set of caring hands that will take care of the employees that are like extended family members and also to maintain the legacy of the brand that they've created. That's what's more important to them than a top line or bottom line number. Whereas I think that they don't realize that that really is their top qualification until they've arrived at the day that they've got buyers coming to them. And now the question arises, what are you going to do with my people? I don't think so many sellers, business owners are thinking about this as they're, as they're growing, as they're scaling as, you know, their exit strategy. They, cause a lot of business owners don't create an exit strategy. Correct. Uh, there's the other, an, another aha moment is they don't, but um, it's really not until they start looking at this exit strategy that they start even having on their radar that they, they should be thinking about, you know, whoever takes the transfer, how their employees are going to be treated or, you know, are they going to be there at all? Yeah. And that's one of the, and see now that's one of the nuggets, I guess we're, we're, we're dispelling right now is the fact that if you're dealing with a small to medium-sized business, those are the pressing points to look at as opposed to a corporately owned business, which is 90% financial, they make the decision, whereas with the small business owners, 90% psychological. So just knowing that aha moment, that small business deals with psychological decision-making, and whereas Mm -hmm. corporately owned businesses deal with financial decisions. If you get to this, know that it can help you, you know, navigate the whole process, the whole sales or purchase process a lot easier. And be ready for it. Be prepared for it. That's right. Um, you know, like stay ready. Small, stay ready. Mm-hmm. Small to medium size. It's more psychological. And when you're going through that sales, that transition process, you be aware that people are going to be a looking um, and you're going to have to pull back the curtain, open up the gates. and uh, But that's also why you want to prepare in advance. If you even have the slightest, slightest indication ever that you might want to move into a different industry and do a, pursue a different project, or you might want to retire in a few years, whatever the case is, if you have the slightest indication that you might want to exit this business, prepare now, start creating that exit strategy, get with a specialist and start creating that, you know, maximize that valuation so that you can have that best, that best payday at the end of the line that we, you know, we've been talking about that creative payday that, you know, is a long-term benefit. Yes. Well, well, here's the thing. You made a very key point. Plan to exit. If you don't plan to exit, you never will, or you'll have a lower valuation. So the key to that is. Welcome to the Principled Women in Business podcast. In building valuation, make sure it's verifiable. See, in most small, most small, the medium sized enterprises, that SDE, um, a lot of the time, the owner operator is taking a vacation to take little Tommy and, and, and wifey to, to vacation, or he's purchased a new personal vehicle, and all and all these different things get added back in to the company. But whereas it seems as though the new purchaser is buying purchasing the the lifestyle of the former owner mm-hmm. as opposed to it being purely business expense 
Correct. And I, that's kind of a hard situation because when you are a small business owner, you want the car and whatnot, but there was a better way to buy it. Yeah, you know? there, there is. There's always a better way. Always a better way. There goes that, uh, that strategist advisor. Make sure that you are doing it the best way. Well, that's why, number one, if you're, you need to obtain a mentor or an advisor in your company, when, either if you're starting, funding it, growing it, scaling or exiting, you need someone in your, in your business that has done the things that you like to do and, go, have, and have accomplished the things that you're looking to accomplish in this example. And so I'm going to always say align yourself with, with someone who's done the things that you're trying to do. I couldn't agree more. Uh, but then again, that has changed my life. Just, you know, taking that, meeting you on that fateful day and that I live by. So I could not agree more. There's so many people, you know, just tangent a little bit. They say, well, a mentor, an advisor, you know, that's expensive. Is it? Well, it's like, it's like education says it doesn't cost you, it pays because if you understand what what education really means is to become fruitful or to bring about prosperity. So when you bring on a, well, let's look at the difference. There's a coach, there's a consultant, and there's a mentor. Most people believe that they're all synonymous in nature, but they're truly not. Um, A coach will train you on a specific task or development case in point if you are a tennis player you may have a coach that's help you with your serve and not your backhand so you can have a multiple set of coaches um a consultant is a hired gun to come in to correct or institute a specific function or task for a period of time and then there's a mentor who is a advisor is a confidant and this is a person that you know that you have trusted value that at any given time you can pick up the phone and get an answer to an integral problem that may be persisting in the company. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, they're gonna help, they're gonna be a life journeyman. That mentor is gonna be with you in a long life pursuit as opposed to the other two. So when choosing one of the three, I would always choose the latter as a choose a mentor, someone who's who's done the things that you've already done, but they're going to provide you with a wealth of knowledge and experience and guidance. And most of the time, you want to retain them to be, even become a fractional owner of the company so that you can have access to them when needed. Yeah. I really want everyone to hear truly your, your profound depth and experience. Can you kind of go back and tell everyone, you know, kind of where you've been, where you've come from and where you've, how you arrived here, because that's truly, I'm sorry, my apologies to do it now, but I really believe that everybody should hear that because it's magical. Well, I'll give the very short version of that for essence of time. But yes, um, I like you and others, I've done everything that your parents and family told you to do. You know, you go to college, you get a good education, you get a good job, you pay taxes to the government interest to the banks and you buy all of your lovely little shiny objects from private and public corporations. And so I did all of that, graduated with a civil engineering degree, went into the world of engineering, hated it, didn't like it, 
because I didn't feel free. I didn't feel accomplished, even though I was told that I would have a great paying job, and I did. So the first aha moment for me, I'm going to tell my aha, first aha moment was that happiness doesn't equal job security. So I realized that, and I walked off the job, being married with expenses and, and, and requirements that I need to take care of, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I said, I want to learn about money. Then I became, I went back, got my MBA, learned about money, went into the financial service arena, equities, secondary marketing on mortgage, mortgage notes, um, equity, um, mergers and acquisitions. And that's when I really became to find my stride. I really caught my stride and I was doing very, very well. And then one day I saw how the game was being played in the traditional financial service side. And I had a client that I had just landed. I realized that he was being taken for a ride because in that space, you go after the whales, the top two percenters, you know, those are the ones who pay to play. And then you just pitch them and you get deals. And so this particular client of mine, um, I was feeling really, really bad about what was happening. And I'm an integrable person. I live on principles. I always say this in our community called Empirinomics. Hold on to your principles so that you become the principal. And so I went and met with him on my lunch hour. Very eccentric fellow. Um, came to this country with little to nothing and basically built a multi-billion dollar empire. Um, and so when I met with him, I thought he was one of his housekeepers because there he was in a pair of old jeans, T-shirt, old pair of dirty moccasins, and he's dusting off one of his rare art pieces, which was a Picasso, by the way. And he had a render card as well. And I'm like, wow. So that was my other aha moment. The billionaire status that I saw in the movies where everyone's always in Brooks Brothers and Cartier and Rolex down. Here's a guy in jeans and a T-shirt and some dirty moccasins, um, but lived very, very comfortably, but was very modest. And I shared with him what was happening. And he basically was blown away that I was willing to risk my job, risk the commission, at which case the commission was well over $70,000. And he said that I was willing to do that for him. And I said, absolutely. My integrity is better, is more to me than any amount of money. And so here's the other aha moment. I paid it forward. So my very first mentor cost me 70 grand. Because by me forsaking it, I paid it forward. Yeah. And, and because I paid it forward, he in turn said, I'm going to share with you some things that most people will never know the real Wall Street, the real way to create wealth as opposed to getting rich. And I learned those principles from him. And it's been, it's changed my life up to now. Um, I've been a proud owner, owner of well over a few hundred companies and interest in companies. I've started several of my own companies, High Rises LLC. I'm the founder and lead pastor of Kingdom Thinking Ministry. Uh, I have a program called Empirenomics, which I spoke about earlier. And so my life has taken on a, a total different trajectory because of me paying it forward and living in integrity. And so that's if I have to leave anything with anyone today, it would be that always walk in your integrity and understand and understand that when you pay it forward, what you're doing is circulating that energy called money because money is nothing more than the 
energy of the mind, and it comes back around full circle. So I have this consciousness that whatever I have the opportunity to give and to sow into, I do it knowing that it's going to come back to me in a multiple fold. And so that was my, those are my minimal aha moments that has helped me shape and form who I am today. And why I want to empower individuals who are seeking, you know, socioeconomic mobility. I'm on this call today with my dearest friend and mentee that to empower women in business because women in business right now are overlooked. You know, they don't, they're not equally treated equally with their counterparts, us males. And so there's opportunity here to empower women in business, you know, and to give them direction in ways that they can grow their brands and businesses. And, you know, women in business, not only are they, are we moving through the professional portion of it, but there's also that mom portion of it, that family portion of it. So it's that balance as well. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am a single mom. I have a six-year-old, Dominic. Love him to death. He's so cute. He looks just like me. Uh, but balancing, you know, being an industrialist, a business owner, and being a mom who's there for him, who does the activities, that becomes interesting as well. Um, not only balancing the business aha moments. You know, mm -hmm. I think... I think my, I've had so many aha moments, but, you know, I think my biggest one was, you know, during, after my divorce, I had met you on an airplane. And during this time I was, you know, I had lost my trucking company through the divorce and had gone back to get my master's degree in emergency management, uh, catastrophe management, event management type of thing. And I was always good, you know, solving problems and dealing with these huge situations and seeing the bigger picture, but going back and working for, working for someone else, a conglomerate, a government, just something didn't sit right with, with me, you know, at, even as I was going through my master's program, because that was the plan. I'd been a business owner for so long. Uh, the only thing that had rocked that was, uh, you know, the divorce. Right. I have a and question for you. You brought that that brought that whole thing back and the aha moment that I had been doing it wrong. Yeah. But anyway, question for me. Go ahead. No, it was it was a comical question. So we met on an airplane. So my question is, is there a land plane? <laughs> because we, we, I've, always, I've always wondered why we see an airplane. It's always like, is there a land plane or a single mom? Is there a double mom <laughs> or a single well, dad, a double dad? I'm just making jokes. No, touche. But I think there is a land plane. I think weren't they testing it in Nevada for a while? Yeah, they were. But, the long, yeah. like twenty foot. Yeah, um, but it didn't go, plane. didn't go, didn't didn't get off the ground. <laughs> no, it exploded too, one too many times. <laughs> no, but the real thing is, like you said, being a mom, being being a mom. Women on a whole, based on our societal upbringing, a, a woman, a female, always had to make a choice between being a wife and a mom versus being a, a woman in business, a business owner. And you are always having to make that choice. But I can, I can honestly tell you, with proper mentorship and proper guidance, you can be a, a very, very influential mother and wife and owner of a business. You could have it all. There, there, there shouldn't be a choice between one or the other. You can be an active no, participant. No, there shouldn't be a choice at all, but not but. And you can have it all 
and you have to make the choice and take the actions to realize that because there's still going to be that you have to, you know, time yourself, block time out. You have to Mm -hmm. make sure, you know, you're doing things at optimal timing. There's still things you have to do over and above deciding you can have it all. You still have to take those, those action steps. Correct. But doesn't that come into everything? It's it's not just the thinking, you know, it's not just the thought process, having the good thoughts, but it's also taking those thoughts and putting them into good action. The aha moment, right? You, you're going through the thought process of, you know, what's what's keeping me blocked? What's holding me back? And all of a sudden the light bulb just goes on and uh, mind blown scenario, the aha moment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's a question. It's an opportunity to learn to get to the next moment. This was just a culmination of, you know, choices and options. And the aha moment is your next perfect timing to make a great decision. Right. And have a mentor with you to help you make the next great decision. Well, that's the, that's the key thing now. You've got, you've obtained the aha moment. Now, what do you do? What is your action set? What should someone do when they get an epiphany or an aha moment or the whopper moment, if you will? I'm not promoting Burger King, but that aha moment. What do you do? What's the, what's the next best thing you should do after you get the aha moment? Write it down. Write it down. Then what? Seek someone who can help you navigate into that new paradigm now that you've been enlightened to know that, oh, what I've been doing isn't working. Now I can make the shift. Well, that you see, that also comes with it because I wanted to say now seek someone, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a practice. It's a, it's you're, you're a specialized doctor, right? I'm a, spe- I'm a business strategist. So I don't, I don't deal in, um, exchanges, for example, but I'm a strategist in business. So people who'd come to me, they would know their problem and we would talk specifically about their problem. But uh, you wouldn't come to me if you were, hmm, I was going to say I solve any problem. Mm-hmm. You have to solve a problem. Everything, but especially business. I guess you wouldn't come to me to create a parenting course. I don't create courses. <laughs> there you go. You wouldn't come to me to create a parenting course, but you definitely want to seek out a mentor and somebody who's been there, done that, has the t-shirt and can tell you about the experiences. Right. Well, here's the thing. Since we're speaking about women in business, I'll just give an example. But this would be very, very fitting. If you're in a marriage or a committed relationship and you're having issues in that said relationship, do you go to your single girlfriend to ask questions or look for guidance on a, for a relationship? That person doesn't have a relationship, so how could they provide value on being in a relationship? The same applies in business. You shouldn't take advice from friends and family members who are employees to help you make a business decision. Think about that. Coming back again to who are you listening to? Yeah, absolutely. Fundamentals. Filling you up. Who is, who is teaching you and helping you to fill your cup and 
who's then speaking back into your ears because that is that is so sensitive you know no matter how much you 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 really want to accept that who and what you're hearing is so very important we go through so many processes to improve ourselves improve our businesses have better mindsets self you know fitness you name it parenting um but we have to take the action set too. Correct. Yes, you do. You gotta be act. It's, it's it's a process of think it, right? Then you have to speak it. Then you have to be about it. Take action. And, and then only- you don't even know. You probably should find a mentor so that you can find the specified action and shorten your timeline to get there. Mm-hmm. So that comes back to. Show me your friends and it tells me who you are. If you're in, if you're in business and you're not around like-minded individuals who are in business, then you're not going to be close enough to the pulse to know how to pivot when situations come about. Now, if you're, if you're networking with other business owners, comes back now, you, it's time for you to maybe exit your business. Why would you need to list it with a business broken when most of your colleagues are people just like yourself who may be willing to expand and buy that business from you. See the difference? Mm-hmm. You just say you just save 10 to 15% of your sales price. Yeah, and then helped out your colleague by, you know, transferring Maybe. a great business. Correct. You're the future for your employees. Mm-hmm. You know, so many things happened by that one single decision. Yeah. Agreed. This so, has been a great conversation. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, definitely uncovered how many true aha moments, how many the series and how they can branch off and how singular moments change the course of everything, which leads to a new series of aha moments. Mm-hmm. But it's been my absolute pleasure to have you on the Principled Women in Business podcast. I'm sure everyone listening enjoyed having you here. And I hope that we can have another conversation very soon. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is a great movement that you have. And I'm going to encourage all the listeners out there, you know, get with Lauren, the solutionist. You know, she, she you're going to be in good hands. So I'm just going to encourage that you do that. Yes, for all of my listeners, you know, when you're looking at your business and you want to know how you can grow, how you can scale it, ultimately, you're going to end up exiting too. Uh, go ahead and on me, complimentary, uh, go ahead and claim a free discovery call. And let's talk about how, how the path, the plan, the possibilities, you can grow your business to not only benefit now, but to be able to benefit on that that exit day, on that day of transition. Uh, So again, my name is Lauren Dolgaro, aka The Solutionist. This has been another episode of the Principal Women in Business podcast. Please make sure you are hitting that subscribe button so you're not missing out on an episode and catch up with us on the Facebook and the LinkedIn group also named the principal with women in business uh, just without the podcast so we'll talk again next week we'll have another great guest uh, give me emails uh, tell me more about what you'd like to hear about what kind of conversations you'd really like us to delve into you can send me emails to hello at the solutionists s-o-l-u-t-i-o-n 
I-S-T dot me, solutionist dot me. And give me your feedback. Let's add some things that you guys are you know, wanting to hear about in. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Al, so much for being here. My pleasure. I look forward to our next conversation. And that wraps up another episode of the Principled Women in Business podcast. Follow us on social media to never miss an episode and to unlock full access to your trusted business solution center. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta, and YouTube. Till next time, stay strong and keep crushing. Find us at laurendulgaru.me or call 407-337-1117.